do as a ministry. Uh, it's facilitating and it's uh, creating an environment for you to grow and to uh, grow in your understanding because ultimately that's a big part of God's will for the world. Not just salvation, but people uh, coming to know and to understand their relationship with God, their purpose, their identity. And so ministry school is free for Graceside family. Um, and uh, we try and do as many things as possible free of charge because uh, your giving are, are, is, is enabling ministry to take place. And uh, your lack of giving is also enabling ministry to uh, struggle a little bit. Um, so but that is, a, that is a something for you to chew on because uh, ministry is not just a responsibility or giving is not just a responsibility to the family, but it's also those who are outside of the family. And our equipping of you is enabling you to reach those people who Shane and myself cannot even reach. Those people who might not ever, ever come to church. Um, and so uh, the, the, the point for you is not to invite people to church, unbelievers, it's to uh, share the gospel with them yourself. And in order for you to do that, you need to be equipped to do that. You need to be trained and to become confident in your uh, understanding of the word. And uh, that's one of the things that we've also released recently on your discipleship material. So we want to really encourage you to uh, become a student of the word, to, to invest into yourself. Because uh, through that, you are also going to be more effective in your witnessing. But really on the, on, the, on the front of giving, like Anna shared now, it's such a privilege and an honor to invest into the kingdom of God. To enable ministry to take place. To help others come to know and understand the message of grace that has impacted all of our lives. Um, can I get an amen of uh, anyone who's been impacted with the gospel? Good stuff. So if you haven't yet been impacted with the gospel, then uh, you're in the right place tonight and uh, you've uh, positioned yourself to be impacted with the gospel and really understanding the, the heart of God for you and also for the world. So who here enjoys a, a good old disappointment by raise of hand? <laughs> who enjoys a good old disappointment? Um, it's, a, it's obviously none of us enjoys disappointment. It's not fun to, to get disappointed and uh, yet all of us have been disappointed in our lives. Maybe you've uh, experienced disappointment even this past week. Um, you might have even experienced disappointment today. And so it's important to understand uh, where does disappointment come from? Why does it happen? Because if we understand where it comes from, why it happens, we can uh, kind of avoid it in its entirety. Amen? It would be fun to know how to avoid disappointment. Because uh, uh, tonight I'm going to give you the answer of how to avoid disappointment. Man, so uh, you, you should be very excited. Because uh, knowing how to avoid disappointment is going to make all of our lives a lot nicer, a lot more fun. Amen? Amen? So uh, what's the definition? The dictionary defines disappointment in the following way. It says, sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. That's really good. The, the guys of the dictionary that put this uh, in the dictionary for us is, was really clever. Um, or they were just uh, um, kind of uh, uh, committing uh, copyright uh, infringements and things like that. Because Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 13 verse 12 says the following, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. So Proverbs is exactly telling us there what disappointment is all uh, hinged on. Hope deferred. Uh, the definition of the dictionary said, Sadness or displeasure caused by a non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. Proverbs says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when your hope is deferred, that is when you get disappointment. or That is when you experience disappointment. So how are we going to kind of navigate through this? Because in other words... Um, Disappointment is also something that makes our heart sick. It affects us emotionally. It affects our entire being. It's not just something that happens and it's like, okay, cool. You go to bed and you wake up and it's all gone. It lingers. It stays there. And so we want to 
understand how do we navigate through disappointment. But before we even get to navigating through disappointment, it will help a lot more to just avoid it in its entirety. Amen? Uh, prevention is better than cure. Prevention is better than cure. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, it's, uh, it's more fun to not just uh, not get into trouble rather than uh, trying to get yourself out of trouble. So the question is then, in, uh, in light of Proverbs 13 verse 12, the question is, what should our hopes be placed in? Because if hope deferred is going to make our heart sick, if an unmet expectation is what makes our heart sick and, and uh, what leads to disappointment, an unmet expectation, then we want to place our hope in something, if there is anything, just a side note and like an insert there for the end of the message, there is something that is constant, there is something that we can put our hope in and that will enable you to never live a life uh, of disappointment or to avoid disappointment in its entirety. So, it's a simple answer, but yet it's also complex. And I'll get into why it's complex. But the answer to what we can put our hope in that will never disappoint is the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is what we get to put our hope in, place our hope in, and in doing so, there will never be a form of disappointment in your life. Now, why do I say it's complex? Complex because understanding the gospel of Christ doesn't come by chance. It doesn't come just because uh, you've heard a gospel presentation by someone for three minutes and you're like, yes, Lord, amen, Jesus, hallelujah, and then you'll never be disappointed in your life again. And hence again, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, God's will is not just for your salvation, not just to come to accept the gospel and the simplicity of Jesus dying for your sin, being raised from the dead and making you one with God through receiving His Spirit, but there's also a will of God to, to get you to come to understand, grow in knowledge. And to navigate through this life that is difficult because uh, all of us um, sitting here this evening has got a, a meat suit. Carnality. Carnality leads you to uh, want certain things. Uh, like a, a cheesecake or a, a chocolate cake. Or your carnality wants you to uh, um, have a good old uh, power nap on a Sunday afternoon. Like our bodies want certain things. And so we need to navigate through how do we deal with those things. And so it is important to become aware of the reality of our sonship, the reality of Christianity, because in doing so and coming to understand that clearer and better, the gospel can have that effect on our lives and it can be that thing that when we put our hope in that, we build our lives upon that, we'll live lives free from disappointment. If we don't understand the gospel of Christ, then we'll go to the world or we'll, uh, then we'll go to the Word and interpret it out of context. And uh, we'll uh, put our hopes in certain things and we'll put Bible on it and we'll put Bible references to it and we're like, this is a Word from God. This is a Scripture. Paul himself, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So if he said this, I can put my hopes in it. And amen, hallelujah, praise Jesus. And then uh, your hope gets deferred. And what happens? Your heart becomes sick. You end up being disappointed. And oftentimes you linger on that disappointment and it just is drawn out. And so it's essential for us to not just come to receive the gospel of Christ, but to grow in what that means for us. To grow in understanding our sonship, the relationship with God that He made available to us. Because it's not just for salvation's sake. It's not just for a ticket to go to heaven one day. Because Jesus didn't intend for us to, to have a mindset of one day things will be okay. No, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you come to know what your salvation is about. That we get to purpose what that means. 
In John 17 verse 3, Jesus defines for us eternal life and says, This is life eternal, that you might know the one and only true God, Jesus Christ, whom I have sent. So knowing Jesus Christ, not just, hey, I know Etienne's name and I, I kind of, I think his birthday is on the 2nd of February, but I'm also not sure. It's not that kind of knowing, it's more than that. It's knowing Etienne's likes, his dislikes, knowing Etienne's shortcomings and still having grace with him. Amen? Uh, I appreciate you guys being gracious towards me. Um, so it's, it's intimate, it's personal. It goes beyond just the surface. And that's God's desire for us. And that is where eternal life really starts uh, taking shape. Our salvation really starts having impact on our lives is when we come to know God personally, relationally, as our Heavenly Father. Now, just some examples with regards to understanding context. And we're not going to get on into a whole lot. But uh, this is something, uh, this, this example that I'm going to be using is something that I uh, got to minister and share with someone this past week. With regards to going through a difficult challenge. And uh, we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. And uh, we'll look at just two examples. And just navigate through this. And praise God for a good Bible teaching that we receive at Grace Life. Um, and uh, yet run about through Shane. Like a, and, and the pastors of Grace Life is really de- dedicated and determined to, to become even greater students of the Word. It's not just a thing of, that we're inviting you guys to be better students of the Word. But we ourselves are dedicated to become greater students of the Word, to continue seeking truth, to continue uh, approaching the Word of God with humility because there's always something that we might uh, miss even in one degree and we want to kind of uh, navigate through. We want to we eliminate all of those little things that might put us off course in light of Christ and that center. And so uh, it's something that we really encourage yourself or all of you in because it's something that we are pursuing ourselves to seek truth to to uh, be about discovering truth i shared this with shane um, just before the service is there's this great uh, quote by, by c.s lewis and he says uh, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still so if you are seeking truth you will find truth and even if it's difficult to, to 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 chew on you'll embrace it as truth because you know that truth that you're embracing, if it's linked to the, the reality of Christ and the gospel of Christ, embracing it, however difficult that may be, however challenging it may, may be, however contrary it might sound to you, to what you've heard up until that point, you'll embrace it with your whole life. Because you know, with that truth comes freedom. Amen? Because it's in the truth we come to know Christ being that truth, that we get to experience the freedom of God. And so these are things that we need to navigate through and we need to approach the Word of God with humility. And so Romans 8 verse 28 from, I look at the King James and then uh, the Good News translation says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Now uh, there's a whole context to this and uh, just a a little bit of background. um, We're just kind of coloring it in a little bit before, uh, before verse 28 and then after verse 28. Paul gets into a lot of like uh, um, quite difficult things, um, things that we tend to want to just skip over with regards to our walk with God and understanding Christianity. Things like suffering, things like persecution. We don't want to go there. We're like, uh, we want to like, oh man, Jesus came to die so I don't have to experience any troubles in this life and no suffering and no this, no heartache and all of those things. And it's fun not to experience those things. But who here as a Christian has experienced some suffering and some heartache? the last week okay like so it happens on a daily basis and jesus also believe it or not he said in this world in this life you'll suffer persecution you'll 
you'll go through difficult things because we're living in a fallen world. We're living in a world where people make bad decisions and their decisions affect us. I know, I've got a, a family who, members making horrible decisions. But praise God, like, I get to uh, have my hope on something else. I get to have my hope not on the good decisions that my family is making. Because if my hope wasn't my family, all of them making amazing decisions that's just out there to bless all of their brothers and sisters and mothers, like, we would have a very happy, peaceful family. But we don't have that currently. Because people make bad decisions. People don't understand... Uh, what their identity in Christ is. And so for me, knowing that we need to navigate through, okay, cool. If that is a reality, the flaw of the world and people making bad decisions, it clearly means that I can't put my hope in people. I need to put my hope in something else. We put our hope in the gospel of Christ. Now, Romans 8.28. So the King James gives us this idea, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. For, for many years, I, I interpret this passage of Scripture from the point of view that, cool, whenever bad things happen, we all hopefully know that bad things do not come from God. Because in God, there is no darkness at all. First John says that for us. And Jesus also says in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life in abundance. So we, 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 we've moved past that. And I think all of us are kind of pretty, pretty secure in that, that truth. But then we, we've, for a long time, myself at least, I've interpreted this, this verse through the lens of whenever bad things happen in my life, God will turn those bad things around for my good. Okay, because that's kind of the idea that King James says here. For God makes all things work together for good to them that love God. So it, it seems like it's towards me. The bad things that might happen in my life, God will work those bad things together for my good. Now, that might so sound good and uh, maybe it's something that you're currently uh, believing, but I just want to break it down for us a little bit and consider this practical example. Because the Word of God is very practical, it's logical, it makes sense. Some things that uh, uh, we don't necessarily understand, but just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that there isn't an explanation. So we need to seek truth. We need to uh, dig in and come to understand what does this mean in light of the gospel. Because everything that seems like confusing or seems like this is a bit complicated, we need to go and interpret it through the lens of Jesus and the gospel message of Christ. Okay? So that is very good uh, Bible interpretation um, uh, uh, nuggets that I'm giving you guys. We need to interpret whatever we're reading through the message of the Bible, which is the gospel of Christ. Now, practical example. Last year, most of you would know, I um, lost my brother Evald in a car accident, and it's almost been a year now, coming end of March. And I was kind of like, uh, before all of this happened, praise God, I came to understand this truth before he passed away, because then I could see this, this uh, application to this word very differently. But practically speaking, my, my sister-in-law, Abigail, losing her husband, there's nothing good that can come out of that for her. For a baby girl who's now turned two in September, her losing her father, there, is not, there, is, there, there can't be a better father than her biological father who loved her. Yeah. Evil was the best father that she could possibly experience in this life. So that can't be applicable to Abigail. That This verse in this context with this interpretation cannot be applicable, just logically speaking. 
There's certain things that happen that are bad, that cannot turn around for your good. Me losing my brother, we've, we technically, it's complicated, our family's a little bit uh, complicated if you, if you haven't connected the dots by now. But so technically, uh, we were four brothers um, that grew up together and one of them is now gone. Us losing that one brother, will, will, it will never be the same for the other three of us. We can grow closer together in some ways, but it will never, like, those, that closeness will never replace what we are lacking and missing now in my brother Evold, in his uniqueness, and in, in who God lived himself out through Evold, in that uniqueness. And, and in the same way that God is wanting to live himself out through you, to the people around you. That's something that all of us need to realize, and I really believe that some of you need to hear this tonight. God wants to live himself out uniquely through each one of you sitting here this evening. Stop waiting for another Christian to come around to be that witness to the people that you are surrounded by. Mm. God wants to uniquely and personally use your life and even your struggles and all your challenges and connect with the people around you and, and open up the, the, and break down those barriers of religiosity and just be authentic with the unbelievers around you, the people who've been hurt by religion. He wants to use you uniquely. And if you don't see it as that, if you don't value yourself and the Spirit of God inside of you, you'll never make yourself available. You'll never open up yourself for God's Spirit to work through you. And so that's really important uh, uh, that I, I really feel like God needs to encourage or wants to encourage some of you in that truth. But coming back to Romans 8.28. So the Good News Translation says it like this. We know that in all things God works for good with those who love Him. Those whom he has called according to his purpose. Now that, that, that way that this verse is interpreting this is, is very different. It comes out very differently. Because this has got nothing to do with you. The things that God wants to work together for good has got nothing to do with the individual. We know that in all things God works for good with those who he loves. Now my brother's situation for example... God wants to work this, this tragedy, tragedy of my brother's death. He wants to work and co-labor with me. And using a horrible uh, a tragedy like that. And bring about good out of that for kingdom benefit. But if I'm not going to co-labor with God in facilitating that, guess what? It will just be a tragedy. It will just be a loss for my sister-in-law, for a daughter... For me, all of my brothers and my whole family, it will just be a loss. But if I make myself available and allow God to work good with me from this situation, good can come out of it. For example, Shane was with, with me and it was a difficult moment. And or maybe, not, maybe I'll use that example later. Um, I'll go to an easier one. Um, I was... After my brother's passing, we, we closed down our coffee trailer. We had a coffee trailer um, trading for a little bit last year. And so we closed down the coffee trailer in that uh, few weeks of my brother's passing. And then obviously we came back and uh, a lot of our clients were like, so where were you, this, that, and the next thing. And I, I'm going to say it now and it's going to sound uh, bad, but hear me out. Because my brother's not, he doesn't mind me saying this. Um, He's, he's, he's cheering, cheering what I'm doing now on in a, in a, um, 
a renewed mind, uh, a complete renewed mindset. Like his mind that he has today in heaven is perfect. His mind on earth was limited, um, not in a physical sense, but in light of eternity. And all of us are growing and understanding things, but in heaven we get a perfect renewed mind and see things as God sees them. So he sees, uh, sees what I'm saying now and he's not going to be offended. But I, I, I milk my brother's death, like in the, the pe- people that I shared with and how I connected with them. I use it as an opportunity. It wasn't just a tragedy, but I use it as an opportunity to share my faith in God and what eternity is about and where my hope is placed mm-hmm. in eternity. Because the word says, even in death, we still live. And that's the reality of the Christian. Even in death, there's life. And so that is why I allowed Romans 8.28 to have its full effect in my life. It wasn't a matter of, man, God is going to use this tragedy together for my good. Because it's not about me. The kingdom's not about me. We are part of God's kingdom. But ultimately, oftentimes we are too self-centered in what we're wanting and what we're desiring in our Christian walk. That we're missing out on all the things that God wants to do through us. Amen or oh me. And it's important to, to, to not feel condemned by that, to, but to be like, Father, this is clearly a truth. And I understand that in light of the life of Jesus, the life that He lived, how He demonstrated radical love, how He demonstrated selflessness. So if that is who Jesus is, if that is your character and your nature, and I've become one with you, if I've received your spirit, that is a life that I can also live. And so navigating through that, it's, a, it's, it's so, so amazing to now not become disappointed because I understand the context of Romans 8.28, for example, and I'm not continually waiting like, Lord, how is this going to work around for my good? How is me losing my brother going to work around for my good? It's not going to come. But it can work around for the kingdom's good, for the benefit of people's eternities. Other people not knowing Christ and having maybe lost family members, and family members who aren't saved and now they have to grapple with the fact that man if if i don't make a decision if i don't start asking some important questions like i don't want to i don't want to fear death and if you're fearing death here this evening and that's also just something that that you might be me struggling with or maybe you know someone who's fearing death because they're unsure of their salvation or they're unsure of like what is this life after after death hold you need to go and investigate. You need to go and search. Don't just wait for truth to fall on you. Truth doesn't just fall on you. Truth is something that needs to be sought out. God didn't encourage lazy Christianity. It's fine if you're lazy. It's okay. God's not offended. He's not going to fall off his chair. We welcome lazy laziness in the, in the church. But at the same time, it's unhealthy if a baby that is born, three months, that um, is three months old, and at that size or at that that uh, place, never grows beyond that three-month maturity, like whether they just physically stay of that size for their whole life, it's it's not it's not normal, or whether uh, they stop developing, they grow physically and they get bigger, but there's some other complications, it's not normal. It's not wrong, but it's not normal. It's not how God created it. And so the same for us as Christians in our, in our walk with God. It's not normal if we stay at a place of just laziness, self-centeredness, and all of these negative things. But we don't, pro- we don't push fruit. We don't push behavior modification. We push people to Christ and reality of who Jesus is. 
Because through discovering that and coming to understand the truth of the word and how to interpret and rightly divide the word of truth, we can live lives free from disappointment. We can live lives that are actually bearing fruit. Another amazing uh, verse that is often taken out of context and it just leads to disappointment, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Who's got this on their fridge? As a fridge magnet, Jeremiah 29 11. I know some of you have got a screensaver of it on your phone. Who's that? I know you. Yeah, I knew it. No. <laughs> that's fine. Having it on a bottle, that's not a, that's not a problem. You must just uh, throw that bottle in the fire. Um, I'm joking. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with Jeremiah 29 verse 11. There's nothing wrong with Romans 8, 28. But when we start misinterpreting what the Word of God says, it leads to disappointment in our lives. And like we all identified, we don't, we don't, none of us enjoy disappointment. So we want to come to understand uh, what should our hope be placed in so that we can experience life and its abundance and its fullness. So Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and to give you an expectant end. Now what is the expectant end God has on His heart for us? Don't shout it out loud. Um, I want you to shout out your, your uh, job promotion or your, uh, your dream home that you've uh, printed out on your, on your wall and like, uh, you've chosen the colors of the, the inside of the walls and you're like envisioning it because uh, it's, your, it's your, your dream board and you're like, Jeremiah 29, 11 is like written in bold and it's in color and it's like amazing and you're like, yes. I know the plans the Lord has for me to give me an expectant end and that in, in entails like a dream home and like five kids and like two dogs and like a, maybe a sports car on the, the, the driveway and a, a big SUV and like, man, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Now I'm wrecking some of your dreams and that's cute because you having dreams in line with this misinterpretation will lead to a life of disappointment and God doesn't want that for you. What is the expectant end God has on his heart for us? 1 Timothy 2, 3-4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. This is God's will for your life. This is the expectant end that he had in mind for all of creation. For all men to be saved and all men to come to an understanding of the truth. Now, if you've come to salvation and received Christ and the gift of life, Man, you've got a big box ticked. Well done. Well done. That's awesome. Now, whether you are growing in understanding of the truth is another question in its entirety. You being in church, is, it's good. You're ticking like a good box. But you can sit in church and not grow one bit in your understanding. That's a, like a scary reality, right? You can be at church, not miss one gathering in a whole year and not grow one bit. Mm. That's scary. But it's a truth we need to come to terms with. Yeah. Because the truths we're hearing in church and the word we're we, 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 uh, uh, sharing in church on a weekly basis and through ministry school even, all of these places, if we don't approach the word of God with humility, with an eagerness and a desire to come to know truth, embrace truth, however difficult it may be, you will be a man convinced against you will, and you will be of the same opinion still. You will not change. You will not see fruitfulness because of the pride in your heart. 
because of the difficulty that might come with a new truth that you are hearing or, or receiving. And so it's important to understand that God's desire for the world, God's desire for my brother Evil was to have a long life here on earth, to have influence, to have an impact, to reach many people. But that long life would have meant nothing if it didn't have eternity in mind, if his life didn't impact eternity. So a lot of people are, are alive today, and obviously all of us in this room, but the question is, what are you doing with your life? Because God's will for you is not to just have a, a life of, say, reach the age of 80 or reach the age of 90. Mm. God's desire and plan for your life would to come to understand who you are as His son and as His daughter. Because in discovering that and coming to know that, therein lies your fruitfulness. Therein lies your satisfaction. Therein lies your life that is free from disappointment. So another kind of idea or thought is, is understanding that living on mission is a great way to deal with disappointment. Sure. Living on mission is a great way for you to deal with disappointment or not to even get caught up in disappointment. Philippians 1 verse 20 to 21, Paul says this and he says, As it is my eager expectation. So he's talking about expectation, right? It's talking about a hope. Because that's basically what disappointment uh, comes from, is when an expectation is not met, when it doesn't come to realization, when a hope is not met, when it is deferred. So Paul says, as it is my ex uh, eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all uh, ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hmm. Expectation is a Greek word. Apu karadokia. Interesting one. Apu karadokia. <laughs> Whenever I read these Greek words, sometimes I want to go into an Indian accent. I don't know why. Um, so I'm not going to go there. You can go there in your mind. Um, and this word can be translated the concentrated desire that abandons all other interests with outstretched hands in expectation. The concentrated desire that abandons all other interests. Man, this is, a, this is such a beautiful, simple key that should wreck our hearts and minds and set us on a trajectory for a life free from disappointment. Pause the eager expectation. Coming to understand, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's not about all of these things that we hope for and we dream about here on earth, but it's about living on mission, living in light of eternity, making your life count, having the life of Christ truly live through you, impacting every person in your life, yours included, having this expectation abandoning all other interests and seeking this one thing to honor Christ in your body with your life and this isn't something that you can kind of just push Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 beautifully like illustrates this idea of what does a life of worship look like 
It's not about you having to strive for laying down your life. It's not about you having to strive for, oh man, now I have to give, now I have to be generous. How am I going to do this? It's such a, such a, the church is just hassling me. It's not about you having to worship like Etienne and Shane up front and be uh, charismatic and clap hands and have your hands in the air and like uh, wave them like you don't care. Like it's not, it's, it's not about you trying to mimic that. That's not true worship. True worship is a response of what's going on in your heart. Amen. True worship is not what you do for God. It's you responding what God has done for you. Mm. Man, that is so counter religion. Mm. Religion just wants us to get things. Religion just wants us to sacrifice, sacrifice things. That's not Jesus. That's not relationship. God wants us to experience His love, His goodness. His love not only for you, but His love for the world. And when we come to experience that, that is what changes our whole being. It changes every value, every, every desire that we have. Philippians 1.20 from Passion Translation says, No matter what, I will continue to hope and passionately cling to Christ so that He will openly be revealed through me before everyone's eyes. So I will not be ashamed. In my life or my death, Christ will be magnified in me. No matter what. Whether you lose a loved one, whether you lose your job. Whether you never see healing manifest in your body. Not that healing is not from God. Healing is from God. That's His desire's will for you. But what we need to put our hope in first and foremost is Christ's death, His resurrection, His spirit living inside of you, eternity. Building on that foundation. Having our hearts and minds set on that truth. Nothing else. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 from the message translation. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body. Does your part mean anything at all. We are Christ's body. Each one of us. We are part of the body of Christ worldwide. And only as we accept our part of this body does our part mean anything. So we're talking about disappointment and, and kind of sidestepping disappointment. We're talking about living life on mission. And this is key to living life on mission. Accepting your part of this body of Christ. Accepting your part of this local family, this community. What is your part in the greater body of Christ? It's the same as every believer. Your part in the body of Christ is the same as my part. It's the same as Shane's part. Our function might look different. But the part that we are playing all points to the same thing. What is that? Yes, Jesus. But specifically His will and His desire for the whole world to be saved. And to come to understand the truth. And that's come through the form of discipleship. And when all of us partake of discipleship and that mission, guess what? Our combined efforts are greater than our singular effort. It's very practical. It's very simple. I can only do so much. Shane can only do so much. But when we combine our efforts, multiplication starts kicking in. And before we know it, we can reach the whole world. When every believer starts playing their part, take their part seriously, because it's only in you playing your part that something starts to mean something. That your life starts to mean something. 
Now your life means something because Jesus died for you. You are valuable. But that is not all he wants you to, do, to, uh, to know. He wants you to understand more than that. That he wants to do something through you. He did something in you, now he wants to do something through you. A part for every believer, every believer in this room, is to help strengthen the body. To add to the growth of the body. Which means more people coming into the family of God. So all of us are every part. And part of that is also for your personal maturing. Because Shane and myself, we can give, like I said, amazing, we can give you amazing words every Sunday and uh, give you the Word of God and help you understand the Word. And in ministry school, you can be part of all of that. But if it doesn't become personal to you and you're not on a pursuit of maturing and, and growing your understanding of God, it doesn't help the body of Christ. It doesn't help. It doesn't add to the value of the body. It doesn't help the body be strengthened. And obviously in that immaturity, you will not ever reach anyone in your life. Because people want to see something. If they buy into something, guess what they want to see? They want to see evidence. And that's why, man, there's too many Christians in the body of Christ that look like they've been baptized in the lemon juice. You don't, you don't want to come close to them. They don't, you don't want their sourness to rub off on you. Please don't be that kind of a Christian. And the only way that you end up being a kind of Christian like that is by not understanding the heart, the nature of God, and what He has died for you for. And so it's vitally important to grow in understanding these things, understanding your part. Your part is also to mature, to add value to the body of Christ and to help the body grow. If we don't play our part, we will become disappointed. If you don't play your part within the body of Christ and what He's called you to, you will become disappointment. Or your life will also be a disappointment. But you will become disappointed if you're not living this life on mission, alongside God, alongside your fellow believers, and purposing, growing, and maturing. Because it's only then that we are functioning within our design. And can find true contentment. Romans, uh, Hebrews 13. And we're coming to a wrap up. Hebrews 13. Verse. We'll read from. Verse 5. Good news translation says. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be satisfied. Say satisfied. 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 You know when you're satisfied. When you've had a great meal. And you're just like. Man this was good. I don't need any more. Some of you like overindulge and you add a little bit more and then like that satisfied becomes uncomfortable. And all of us regret that, those decisions, right? And so God wants you to be satisfied. How do we enjoy satisfaction? Be satisfied with what you have. What does that mean? Be satisfied with your paycheck or be satisfied with your marriage. Be satisfied with the weather. None of those things. Be satisfied with what you have. What does the word say? What we have. For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. That is a promise. That is a constant. If we become satisfied with this one thing, when we put our focus and our attention on this one thing in our lives, this one constant, then nothing will shake us. Yes, things might get difficult. Yes, you might... Become sad because you've lost a loved one that's dear to you and that you're not going to see again in this life. 
But if you change your focus, you'll see that. You'll see them again in eternity. Praise God. But if we don't cling to an abolder satisfaction based on this one truth, this constant that is everlasting, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. Verse 6 goes on to say, Let us be bold then and say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? So again, there's links. Verse, verse 6 links again to invitation that is on all of our lives. Where else do we find these words? I'll always be with you. In many other places. But one specific place. Can anyone guess in light of living on mission? Matthew 28. Man, it... It's almost as if you're a pastor and you have to like study these things. <laughs> um, Shane gave the answer. So there, Matthew 28. Um, some of us uh, consider Matthew 28 and you're looking at the Great Commission. Jesus sending his disciples, going to all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. And we just kind of uh, leave it at that. But he also gives them a very important truth. And lo, I'll always be with you unto the ends of the earth. I'll always be with you. So life of satisfaction is also linked to this truth. Living in your purpose. Living in what God has called you to. What God has purposed for you. I will be your helper. The Lord is my helper. Who is also called a helper? The Holy Spirit. Because it's God. But we need to understand it in, refer in specific references. Because obviously the word sometimes uses... Holy Spirit, then it uses Jesus. And so it's not that they're, they're separate entities. It's just ex different expressions of the same one God. Now it says here, or uh, Acts, 20, uh, Acts 1 verse 8. So it's again in light of this commission, in light of our calling and our purpose. One, uh, Acts 1 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and to Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So again, very much of our lives and living free from disappointment is linked and hinges on this life that you are choosing to live here on earth. Is it a life on mission? Glorifying Jesus through your life? Embracing His calling? Or is it choosing a life of comfort? None of us have cho chosen comfort because you're sitting in a hot hall tonight. And so uh, well done for choosing partial discomfort. But it's more than that. It is a life laid down. Again, not because you have to, but it's a life laid down in response to His love for you. In response to His mercies towards you. Living free from disappointment is also linked to the next few verses in Hebrews. So verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So again, it's one thing to live your life on mission. But it's even greater when you're living a life on mission with people like-minded. Super important. God didn't just call us to run this race alone. He called it to run it with us, but He also called it for us to run it together. Because when you're running your life with other believers and you're remembering those around you and you're imitating their faith, their walk with God, guess what? It will become harder and harder for you to start indulging in the world and conforming to the world. Because ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> but if you want to open up yourself for disappointment, then please carve out time for that. 
and you will become disappointment. Building your life on the foundation of this world. Building your life on the foundation of the sand. The winds will come. The storm will come. And your house will not stand. You will be disappointed. But when we build our lives set on this one constant. Jesus' love for me. My oneness with God. And what that means. And living that out. And having that impact my life and the life of the people around me. You will forget what the word disappointment feels like. Anyone excited to start experiencing that? Not knowing what disappointment feels like anymore. Because you're building your life on the foundation of Christ's love for you. And being satisfied with this one thing that can truly satisfy. Because God's not going to say things and, and invite us into things that will never be a reality or or say things that just sound nice, but it's not really for us. Well, that's not really what he meant. No, that's what he meant. A life of satisfaction, of contentment is found in you believing, you being persuaded by, and you clinging to, build your life on this very truth that God will never leave you and he will not forsake you. And living a life on mission will set you up for a life free from disappointment. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's not become distracted. Let's build the house and build the family together. God's plan hasn't changed. A life free from disappointment has never changed. It's always been the same. It's always hinged on this very truth. Coming to know Him personally, intimately. His plan for the world is salvation. And that's something that we need to come to terms with. And allow that to become the anthem of our lives, so to speak. For people around us to start seeing that man, John Mark, or Gustav, or Leandri, I can see that as a man or woman of God who's living not for themselves, but living for the king and his kingdom. And it's not something that you have to do, praise God. But it's something that you will not be able, but you won't be able to help but live in that fashion, live in that way. Because you've allowed your heart to be pliable in the heart or in the hands of your father. I love um, Psalm 30, 30, 34 verse 7. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I always get uh, confused uh, with with regards to my reference with that. Um, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think it's actually 37 verse 4. Um, You guys can uh, go check it out. But that picture is such a beautiful picture because God isn't forcing us to become something that we don't want to be. He's not forcing us to go somewhere we don't want to go. He's just inviting us into relationship. And if we come into that relationship as we see in Samuel, God is not concerned about what's going on on the outside. He's after your heart. Because when He has your heart, you'll have your life. And it's not in a controlling way. It is in the perfect way that He as your Father created you for. He's creator. He's our father. And I think all of us can be confident that him creating me knows exactly what is good for me. But sometimes we know better, right? Anyone ever think they know better than God? Then you lead, that leads to disappointment. Last uh, few verses. First Timothy um, 6. Yeah, we'll just... Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Yet true 
Godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the truth faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, these verses is not just linked to, to finances or just linked to money, but it's linked to, as Paul said, or uh, that, that, that beautiful uh, um, Greek definition of the word expectation. It's linked to clinging yourself and, and putting your hope and expectations in anything other than Jesus. He's calling upon your life. And that might sound radical to you, and it might sound like, oh man, that doesn't sound like fun. That doesn't sound like something I'm, I want to sign up for. That's fine, you don't need to. But can I give you a guarantee? You will be disappointed. Your life will be a disappointment. But God will still love you in your salvation. And we'll see one each other in, in heaven one day. But the quality of life that you will live here on earth is determined by the choices you make. Not the choices I make for you because I can't make choices for you. Shane can't make choices for you. God can't make choices for you. You choose life or death. You choose Jesus or everything else. It might not even be sin, but it's clinging and hoping for and expecting things to happen or to come to pass that Jesus didn't guarantee for us. And that will just lead to disappointment. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, that we can truly live lives free from disappointment. Because a lot of things in this life can disappoint us if we allow it. Let's choose to focus on what we have in Christ. Become to value what we have in Christ above all other things, above all other relationships. His love for us and His love for the world. Thank you, Jesus. Let's choose to mature and grow in our understanding of who we are, who you are. And it's a guarantee that disappointment will become less of an issue in all of our lives. We trust this teaching has blessed you and enriched you in your faith. We want to invite you to contact us. Whether you need prayer, whether you have a question, you can contact us online, www.gracelife.co. That's www.gracelife.co. You can find a whole bunch of free teachings online. You can also find out how to partner with us should you wish to support this ministry. And you can find out how to contact us if you have a prayer request. We invite you to contact us, www.gracelife.co.